Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Francesco Pavone and I'm your host. And today me and you are going to talk about 12 common training mistakes that people often make when trying to build muscle and strength. So I'm very excited about this episode because I'm always excited about talking of training, especially about muscle building and strength training um, and all the common mistakes and the good ways to, to look at certain topics and how we can successfully optimize our body and our training. Um, but before we get into that, uh, I love to tell that uh, this week, uh, only this week, uh, we are finally opening the enrollment to our main coaching program, the Tight T-Shirt Transformation. The Tight T-Shirt Transformation is a program uh, that is uh, only in remote, so you can join from every, everywhere in the world. Uh, we have clients uh, mostly in Europe, but also in the US and um, uh, mainly in the Italy, Austria, UK area. We have some clients uh, in Belgium and Germany too. But this uh, uh, week, I'm only looking for six busy, unfit millennial men who want to lose five to 10 kilos of fat, build some muscle, get stronger, and implement successfully healthy fitness habits uh, in their life. So if that's you, uh, just head over the show notes and click uh, um, on the form. So there is a, a online coaching application form, fill that out uh, so that I will be able to see your situation, your goals uh, and your current challenges. So I'll be able to understand a little bit more about your situation. And if I think that will be a good fit, uh, I will get in touch uh, and I will explain uh, how to apply further. Um, in particular, if I think that we could be a good fit, I will uh, invite you to book uh, your free transformation strategy call where will we discuss together your goals and your circumstances so that I will explain in more details how I specifically can help. If you don't, are not considering working with a coach right now, that's totally fine. You can make good usage of the information shared in this podcast, plus on my Instagram profile at Pavone Fitness, you'll find much more daily content and tips. But I would appreciate your help in this. If you could share this episode with a friend, um, that would be much appreciated so we can help more people making a positive change in their life and in particular in their health, in their fitness and in their nutrition. Thank you so much. Let's get to it. All right, guys, before we get into the 12 common mistakes that people make at the gym or at home when trying to build muscle and just get stronger, regardless of the equipment they have, um, I'd like to give you a little backstory here because muscle building, it's a whole journey by itself. Um, so we all benefit from building a little bit of muscle. Um, there are some, like a lot of health benefits related to resistance training itself, uh, such as improve bone density, improve sleep, improve mood, improve insulin sensitivity, improve the quality of life. Literally, like even just like three sets of 10 uh, done once a week, three sets of 10 of uh, leg extension, for example, can dramatically decrease the risk of falling uh, in older adults. So, um, I mean, we're not talking just about aesthetic here. We're talking about uh, uh, maximizing the time spent at the gym. Okay. So, you know, regardless uh, of your goals, uh, whether it's uh, performing a bit better, losing a little bit of fat, uh, building a little bit of muscle, or simply getting to your 40 and feel strong, feel like a strong dad, a strong parent, or just simply like a strong professional with a lot of energy, you're going to have to work out with resistance training, and you're just going to have to implement some workouts in your schedule. Okay, so I used to work out four to five times a week when I used to, um, when I switch from professional swimming to just simply training for health and fitness and body composition. Um, then I yeah, I was training four to five times a week um, compared to like 10 plus time as a, as a professional swimmer. And um, it was only, a, that, that was from 2016 to 2020. Then lockdown came and I, forced, I was forced to start training with body weight because at home I only have gymnastic rings um, and I could access a pull-up bar at the park close by. Uh, that forced me to train more often. So I started training six days a week, but since I didn't want to spend again, like a full-time job, basically um, working out, I would end up doing six training sessions of about 30 to 45 minutes. Okay. So 
in, during that time, I really, I was already like three years into my uh, fitness journey and I experienced massive, massive muscle gains and strength, bodyweight strength gains. So during that time, I started to really collect lessons on my training and on things that was you know, were, were working well for me. So I started putting them down and putting them in practice with my clients. Uh, and we have amazing results. In particular, one of uh, our clients, uh, Velio from Milan, he was, uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't say a meta head, um, but he was definitely interested in making good uh, muscle gains. And uh, he often uh, tried uh, bodybuilding, bodybuilding uh, at routines uh, and for many years uh, he enjoyed them and he also got in great shape by doing them um, but it was only like uh, since uh, September that he had to move to Milan and uh, after the COVID he didn't really feel comfortable about uh, going to the gym so he purchased the squat rack and uh, a few other uh, fitness equipment uh, such as gymnastic rings and a Swiss ball and two dumbbells of eight kilos each plus the various elastic bands of different tensions and uh, during this uh, the last six months uh, he was able to appreciate uh, massive strength uh, and muscle gains uh, his back started to change uh, his shoulders started to become a little bit more bigger and uh, more defined uh, his upper back started to change his lats started to grow so his arms are, are, are getting better and not only that uh, he was able to improve as well his coordination so i think there is a lot to learn here because many times like uh, we think that um we are not gonna make any progress because uh, hey you go and work out uh, you come home wake up the following day you look the same you go to the gym again you work out harder you come home you make sure that you eat properly you sleep properly the day after you wake up no change feel the same and that continues so at the end of the week and at the end of the month and after three months your body basically looks always the same okay um, so i think the most uh, like the most important problem that i see people make when it comes to muscle building is not having the right expectations so i want to share with you some of the um, most realistic gains that people can make um, even according to science when they have the goal of building muscle so most people in a lifetime um, can achieve a 40 to 50 pound they can gain 40 to 50 pounds um, and this this is of lean muscle tissue so it's going to be a little bit more in terms of body weight um, of course it's going to be hard to estimate but we don't need to have precise number here because uh, it's going to take a lot of years to get there but you can keep in mind that in a lifetime and uh, yeah men can and this is for men who does who do a really good job okay so if you are you know your nutrition is good your recovery is good your training is good um, then you can aim for gaining 40 to 50 pounds of muscle in a lifetime and uh, women can uh, aim for 10 to 15 pounds of muscle in a lifetime okay so if you look at the um, first uh, four years of training of course uh, novice uh, people who never lifted weights can build muscle faster they they will build basically like we used to joke uh, with other trainers that uh, a novice client basically build muscle simply by looking at the dumbbell rack and uh, that that's super true like uh, if you are new to training like i wouldn't worry too much uh, even about uh, going to a gym you can make great progress uh, simply with a pull-up uh, bar and a dip uh, um, and two deep parallels so um, you know in the first year you are looking for gaining somewhere between 20 and 25 pounds of muscle okay um, and uh, in the first two years so in the second year you can aim to gain 12 to 15 pounds and in the third year six to eight pounds uh, now after the fourth year of training it's a good year if at the end of the year you gain five pounds so we're talking about two kilos a year okay and it's more like a range so like four to five pounds a year okay so and and after that um that there is a point where your body weight so you won't gain any new muscle but uh, i think like for an advanced trainer trainee there are still ways to progress so you can have a performance goal so you can get stronger at your lift uh, which definitely has a transfer um in, in life like uh, just even simply like uh, for uh, achievement so feeling good that we are actually achieving good results um and i think like most of the progress after that is not going to be in terms of uh, 
uh, total uh, body weight gain and like you, you're not gonna see uh, and appreciate an effect of your progression on the scale but you're gonna appreciate it in the way you look okay so perhaps for uh, someone who's been training for more than 15 years a positive year would be like gaining a little bit of muscle in that rear delta and getting bigger calves uh, and uh, for example getting uh, um, a bigger upper chest okay so you're gonna um, implement uh, um, some result by um, bringing up some lagging body part uh, and uh, improving your performance, okay? Which can always uh, be improved. Um, but yeah, again, like let's set realistic expectation as well in terms of performance. Like it's true that, for example, um, you like most people when they have the right training and the right recovery in place and the right nutrition and all those uh, lifestyle um, factors, they can actually get pretty damn strong. And I'm talking about the average dude, okay? So the average dude can definitely aim for a two times body weight deadlift, for example. We talk about uh, some strength standard in the last episode. So if you're curious, go and check it out and let me know what you think. Like, I'm curious about hearing your opinion here. Um, but yeah, if you, you know, you're not gonna progress forever. We have to say this because if everyone was able to progress forever, like there wouldn't be, um, you know, world record. So everyone would beat a world record at some point in his life with just enough time spent training. So of course, in all this, uh, there are going to be genetic limitations. Okay. So one time, uh, one context where I often get frustrated is when there is a dude who is like super genetically gifted. Um, you know, I wouldn't say that I am genetically gifted, but it's like I'm saying that, uh, uh, you know, during the lockdown, I had quite good legs, but I was not like making new muscle gain in my legs okay so wouldn't it be fair to share like uh, i don't know leg training tips and like make everyone feel bad if they had like small legs because i had big legs i don't care about my legs you shouldn't tr start training because i have uh, big legs what i hope to do is to inspire you um with my own body transformation so i talk about my own before and after uh, today in an Instagram post. So go and check it out, um, you know, and, and, and that's the thing. Like, I want to show you that you can change your physique with uh, like sustainable uh, uh, practices, uh, sustainable actions, um, daily actions, and uh, with good nutrition and good recovery. Um, but you are not overcoming, you're not going to overcome um, your uh, genetic structure. So this is what I'm talking about. Like you can't make a body part smaller, right? So I talk about how, um, you know, I was often bullied by kids when I was younger. When I was a kid um, at the swimming pool in the changing room, they would call me pear because of my funny body shape. So I, at the time I, I had, uh, you know, quite developed uh, glutes uh, and quads. I had like, I just, my body likes to store fat in the lower body and in the upper body, I was not so muscular. I was a little bit skinny. So my I had narrow shoulders and wider hips. So they used to call me pear. So for years, I focused on the wrong thing. I focused on making my calves slimmer. I focused on making my quads more defined. So I started running more in the, with the idea that, uh, you know, that would slim down my legs, uh, um, just ending up with the swollen and more inflamed lower body. So with a lot of mass, with a lot of... Uh, uh, water retention in my lower body. So yeah, enough about uh, um, you know the pair situation, but just that because I learned that one thing you can do is to enhance a body part. Okay, but you can't make a body part smaller. Um, so yeah, like that, that was a, like a, a game changer for me because I was living a life of restriction and trying to really restrict my calorie intake all the time without making any progress. Because the thing here is that if you want to make progress, you need a, a long period, a good chunk of your life spent eating, eating a lot of food, a lot of protein, a lot of calories, and just adding performance. Okay, so it's not a race. There is no rush, as I said. Like, you can even push it, but for what? The, the research shows that an average lifter can gain uh, the amount that I just mentioned. Um, so even if you, like what's the point in even speeding up? So there is a, a very good uh, um, value, in my opinion, in dedicating and committing to a certain training program for your identity, for uh, like, j because you are you know that this uh, shit takes time. Uh, so, you know, you're gonna have to do it for a long time because uh, 
you know, you're not going to gain 50 pounds of muscle in a year. Okay. And even if you do, you're going to have to accept the fact that you won't gain a lot more than that. Okay. So that it's kind of, uh, you maximize your gains. So my suggestion here is that you, now that you know the realistic expectation that you have in front of you, um, just dedicate it to a program that you enjoy, a program that you can stick to and uh, just appreciate your daily training. Really, it's something that can add a lot of quality, a lot of value to your life. And it can be fun. It can be, you know, you can always shuffle your workouts uh, and, and make them interesting, make them sexy, make them appealing. Um, but yeah, don't rush in this. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, of course, uh, you want to see some progress. You don't want to lack progress because that's frustrating. You also need uh, some sort of confirmation that you are spending, that you are effective when you're at the gym so that you are uh, spending your time properly and investing your time um, properly so that you are seeing a return on your investment. Okay. You don't want to feel stupid. Um, yeah. You want to go in and out of your week knowing that there is always a little step forward. Okay. And that leads me to, 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 to the point uh, uh, number two. So it's thinking that progress always comes from uh, um, adding plates, adding load, adding reps. Hey, you know, surely progressive overload is one of the most important principles when it comes to muscle building, because uh, when you do a training session and you lift weights, uh, say that you do um, a set of dumbbell press uh, for, uh, for 10 reps. Then you do another set, then you do another set, okay? So you do three sets of 10 with, say, 20 kilos dumbbells. Okay, so 20 kilos on each hand. Then you go home, relax, finish the rest of, of your week uh, and, and your training week, and then you go back at it at the same session the following week. Now, if you do, if you had good recovery and good nutrition um, and your body's regenerated all those systems that are necessary for that particular performance, then you will feel that the same three sets of 10 with 20 kilos, they won't be extremely light, okay? They won't be extremely easy, but they won't be uh, as challenging as the previous week. They will be slightly easier, okay? That's because you successfully built some muscle in your chest, shoulders, and triceps, and you were able to, your body was able to understand how to better set up for that exercise, so your uh, so-called... Uh, um, uh, at neural adaptation, so your body just becomes better at that exercise, um, then you are able to lift more weight. So you are able to push either 22 kilos dumbbells, perhaps for 10, 9, 8 reps, or uh, maybe you are able to do the same um, 20 kilos dumbbells, but for sets of 12 to 15, okay? So, you know, at the beginning, this kind of progress happens uh, naturally okay so you can jump uh, dumbbells every session at some point uh, that kind of progress slow down and you need to know that you need to this is tying uh, well with the idea that uh, you need to have realistic expectations when it comes to like knowing if you're progressing or not um, but for an intermediate lifter someone who's been lifting for two years uh, consistently three on and on two, three, four times a week, um, then you know that you can even uh, use the same load and having it, uh, um, you know, effective for multiple weeks. So a load for the same amount of weight that you lift can be trainable, can have, um, can elicit training adaptation for multiple weeks. Okay, so I talk about this and other ways to progress in your body, in, in your training, in particular with body weight training um, in episode 10, 29. So um, scroll back, uh, we published it uh, the 7th of April 2018. 21. Um, so we talk about 15 ways to progress uh, with body weight uh, strength training. Uh, um, and uh, yeah, there are much more than simply adding reps, uh, adding kilos uh, every session. So yeah, that's mistake number two. You don't have to progress every week to build muscle. The mistake number three, it's going to be lifting too heavy and for too few reps. So I know that there is uh, um, you know, a lot of uh, confusion around the topic, uh, which kind of reps should you use? Uh, low reps, medium reps, high reps. How about using all of them? Um, yes, because uh, like muscle basically grow for three main principles, muscle tension, metabolic stress, uh, and uh, muscle damage. Okay. Often uh, we, I, I see coaches and experts uh, debating about uh, muscle damage, if that's even a factor. Um, but I want to keep things simple for you, okay? So regardless of the weight that you use, you can build muscle um, be 
with as little as one to two reps and as high as uh, 28 to 30 reps okay but when i say this uh, you know it doesn't mean that every rep count okay or that you it doesn't really matter which rep range you should you should use or like you use um for your training because like uh, as far as you train hard as long as you train hard then uh, you're gonna see some progress okay well i think like just a very few people in the world can apply this um and i'm talking about uh, professional bodybuilders uh, and very advanced training to like trainees just because uh, they have a better perception of their body they have uh, they know their, themselves more than other people they understand when they're really tired when it's the time to push when it's the time to rest and even those athletes they they are gonna ask uh, to other coaches uh, uh, opinion because they uh, they will want to have uh, another confirmation that they are really doing whatever they can so like the people who want the maximal muscle gain they will follow a program right um, and in the program they they will usually usually choose a certain rep range to work on because a certain rep range like take for example a simple uh, uh, back squat so if you're going to do a back squat for one to three reps for three to five reps for five to 10 reps, for 10 to 15 reps, or from 15 to 20 reps, or from 20 to 30 reps, well, all these rep ranges are gonna have different uh, um, requirements, uh, different things uh, that are different uh, stress that they're going to impose on the body. They will be fueled by different uh, energy system uh, and they will have a different impact on your fatigue, on your uh, um, coordination, on your uh, central nervous system fatigue so yeah um you, they will have different impacts on your joints they will have different uh, effect and they will build muscle through different systems so that's important to mention because uh, um whether if it's true that we can build muscle with a broad range of repetition um it's important to choose uh, a repetition range for our exercises okay so the particular rep range we choose and i often choose exercises based on the rep range so if i want a client for example to work uh, on the 20 to 30 rep range i might choose a certain exercise uh, that is different from the one that I would choose for uh, three to five reps. Okay, so if I want the client to really work with uh, a lot of mechanical tension, then there is the mistake uh, to think that the mechanical tension equals strength. Okay, so that you know you have mechanical tension on your body even when you um, you know you do a body weight squat. Okay, your mechanical tension is the gravity. Okay, and your body weight. So. Um, you know, like when we use a dumbbell, that's just enhanced gravity and uh, the tension will be higher um, if uh, we use uh, a hi higher percentage of our, of our one rep max. So when we use uh, exercises, for example, that we can only do for three to five reps, then we impose a high level of mechanical tension on our body. Okay. Um, but, you know, don't think that that's just superior for muscle gain because mechanical tension is one thing, but then we have uh, as well uh, variables like volumes and we know that volume uh, and intensity because, uh, you know, the, the two things are strictly correlated, like there is no volume without a certain intensity um, and, you know, the intensity itself, if not repeated uh, um, to the point where the volume is uh, producing muscle gains, then we see no progress. So, um, you know, we, we need to have uh, a, a certain repetition in the stimulus, and that's something that we have to implement uh, in our mindset. We need to think that we can't grow a muscle maximally. For example, when we train, train the muscle once a week, okay? So there is a, a little bit of frequency here. Um, but yeah, the, thinking that uh, lifting, you know, building muscle is only possible through heavy lifting and for a few reps like three to five or six to eight um it's neglecting uh, the science it's neglecting the underlying principles that govern uh, muscle building so no you don't need to it's very helpful though because when we look at uh, them uh, you know on the other side of the spectrum uh, on the people that only use high reps uh, well, they are missing some gains because using high reps never challenge your muscle to higher level of tensions. So, yeah, the problem is usually when you stick around too often to a certain rep range and you never touch on the other rep range. Now, usually what happens is that people choose the rep range that feels easier to them or that feels nicer or where they feel like they can cope with the current challenge. Um, so yeah, if uh, you're someone who always like to lift weights for six to eight reps, six to 10 reps, uh, three to five reps, uh, I recommend that you incorporate in your training, uh, um, moments 
weeks workouts or maybe at the end of the workout one finisher some people like to call it like this or sets with higher rep ranges so that you can as well utilize other system that generate new muscle um, and um, yeah also like to consider that lifting heavy load are, is going to impact uh, um, as well your time spent at the gym because the heavier you go the longer you will need to rest between sets uh, so if you're a big guy like uh, like me and you produce a lot of lactic acid and when you do a set of 10 uh, of squat you are like sitting down on a chair for uh, i don't know two three minutes um and and you're still recovering then you will find that you're working in the range of like three to five and doing like i don't know five sets of three to five reps it's gonna take a lot of time it's gonna take quite a lot so some most of my clients don't have that kind of time so when we do like strength blocks either we do one exercise when they do like five sets of five at the beginning and then the rest of the session is like more hypertrophy based or metabolic stress based so with higher rep range or they do less reps but they do a higher rep range a lower rep range so with a heavier load for all the session but that's only for a period of three to four weeks okay uh, generally not more than that so all right that's uh, um, enough for mistake number three uh, lifting too heavy and for not enough reps so for, for too few reps, reps um point number four well your form breaks down at the end of your set maintaining a consistent form throughout all the repetitions that you do in your set is gonna produce tremendous muscle gains compared to letting your form break down when the fatigue kicks in so that's uh, that's one point that uh, many lifters don't understand um, when they lift weights uh, or when they train, uh, you know, with bodyweight training or any any sort of training with the purpose of muscle building. Um, they they don't understand that the repetitions should slow down towards the end of a set. So when you do an, any training set, um, if the challenge is appropriated. Um, regardless of the repetition range, ch choose 6 to 10, 10 to 12, 8 to 10, 12, 15. The last three to four repetitions should be considerably slower than the first ones. This is because the accumulation of fatigue will not allow you to move the weight as fast as you could on the first few repetitions. Now, when the fatigue kicks in, uh, and the fatigue kicks in because you start uh, actually realizing that you have to push really hard in order to complete the same repetition uh, and you notice that the mo your movement so whether it's a push-up pull-up deadlift uh, you see that the movement is actually slower even if in your mind you are trying to move it uh, as fast as you could as you could when that moment kicks in uh, some people they are unable to maintain a good form so uh, take for example a bench press you see people uh, kind of arching their back uh, and by shifting their hips uh, and trying to get a little bit of mechanical advantage to complete the, the repetition. Some people flare the elbows out. Um, some people, for example, in a chin-up, when they are really, they can't complete anymore a repetition, they kind of jump, jerk themselves up. Um, so they keep wrapping out, but with a bad technique. And this often leads not only to a lack of progress because, uh, um, you know, th this uh, breakdown of the form actually decreases the tension that you have in the muscle. So decrease the challenge and the stress uh, that are placed upon the muscle. So less stress means less, less growth on the period of time. And not only that, but on top of that, you are going to exponentially increase the tension on the joint and the stress on the joint, which have less potential for growth, um, way less potential for growth compared to muscle. So, you know, that, that's a common mistake. And that's mistake number four. Moving on, not lowering the weight. And that's mistake number five. So you are not using the eccentric portion of each lift you know that each repetition and each exercise it's made of uh, unless it's an isometric hold like a plank or a wall squat um, but most exercises that you're going to do that will produce muscle growth and strength gains uh, will be made by a concentric portion when you contract and shorten the muscle and then an eccentric portion so where you elongate or stretch or um, uh, simply like uh, you stretch the muscle that you're training so you 
lower the weight, for example, if you are doing a bicep curl or a deadlift. Uh, and um, yeah, like uh, you lower the weight when you're doing an eccentric portion of a squat. So you're squatting down and your muscle gets stretched and lengthened. Um, so we know that, uh, um, for example, there are research that shows that when you do a one second long eccentric in a bicep curl, you will have less gains uh, compared to when you do a four second eccentric uh, phase on a bicep curl. So I think this is a pretty good news because uh, we know that uh, for in the example mentioned, um, take two people, one both doing bicep curl, but one is lowing down the eccentric and the other one not. What's going to be the difference? Well, the one who doesn't slow down the eccentric will have to use a heavier load for the same repetition range to get the same stimulus. And a heavier load might seem cool to you, like, uh, I don't know, curling up 20 kilos dumbbell rather than using a boring 12 or 14 kilos uh, or even 10 kilos. Um, you know, the, the, the differences between the two is that by using a heavier load, even if it might sound cool, it's going to place a higher stress on your central nervous system and on your joints. Okay, so comparing the two, yes, one, you use a heavier load, but you are focusing on getting better on the exercise and you're not getting as much stimulus as you would with the lighter load that is much more manageable, where you can focus on the technique more and you can really drive fatigue to the target muscle um, and get the better stimulus by using a lighter load okay so if you're not lowering down your eccentric and i think there are cases where it's helpful um, to not have too long of an eccentric and just focus on training hard uh, that's why I generally unless like it's a specific exercise where i want to prescribe a little pose at the bottom of the eccentric imagine like a post squat or a post dumbbell press uh, or a post dip um, where uh, you just uh, elongate a little bit the time spent in that eccentric position, in that really sh um, lengthened position, um, unless it's uh, like specifically mentioned, I usually recommend that you lift the weight explosively, but under control, and uh, that when you lower the weight, so when you eccentrically lower the weight, just resist the tension, okay? Don't be dragged down by the weight, but try to really oppose force uh, in, during that eccentric phase, okay, try to resist, and uh, it, it should be somewhere between two and three seconds, okay. Um, that, that's because like you're not gonna be like not every rep is gonna be perfect, uh, and the repetition consistency it's going to come with experience and with enough repetition. Um, so yeah, like don't worry if now like uh, uh, you're having like slightly faster and slightly slower eccentric phases, uh, you're not gonna be perfect. But what it's important is that you think about it. Think about resisting the gravity when you do the eccentric portion, for example, of a bicep, bicep curl. And many people don't understand this and they're just banging their weights. And then after a um, couple of weeks, they have elbow pain, they have shoulder pain, they have neck pain. And when you have those kind of pain, it's really hard to match the right training intensity that is necessary for muscle growth. Okay, so make sure that you don't do this mistake. Um, the mistake number six, it's not using machines and only using dumbbells and body weight. Machines offer a very particular stimulus that most uh, free weights uh, don't uh, offer, okay? So if you think about it, uh, most free weights exercises use, all the free weights exercises use gravity as a main load vector. Um, so the, the gravity is coming vertically from top to bottom, and uh, therefore, like, uh, you can only use that. Uh, so when you use a dumbbell, that's uh, enhancing the gravity because you have to lift the dumbbell against the, the, the weight of the dumbbell against the gravity so um yeah so you you with the machine you can only place the, a certain amount and a specific amount of tension on the body okay uh, there is the misconception that that free weight or body weight training or any sort of training is superior in fact to the others kind of training um but the body doesn't know whether if you're using a dumbbell whether if you're using a, a machine whether if you're using a resistance band, whatever, if you're using uh, your body weight only, um, your body doesn't know which kind of tension, uh, um, your body can only recognize tension, okay, and different exercises have, do have uh, indeed different strength profiles, what does that mean? Well, think about, for example, a bicep curl, so you're doing a bicep curl, and uh, this is a little bit of muscle phys physiology, but we know that the muscle uh, so if you bend your arm at your elbow at 90 degree, um, that's pretty much where your elbow is, your bicep flexor, so your bicep um, and your forearm flexor are going to be 
at the strongest, okay? Not when your arm is straight, not when your elbow is fully bent, but when your elbow is at 90 degrees. This is because um, uh, every muscle is at its strongest in the mid range, okay? So when we use exercises uh, with different strength profile, we, we need to take this in consideration. So take a, a dumbbell bicep curl, that's gonna load the mid range, okay? Um, it's not, if you, you probably see people taking a break between reps as well with your elbows bent all the way through, or with their elbows fully extended, not with their elbows at 90 degrees, because that's where it's the hardest for the exercise. And that's where you have the peak amount of tension on the bicep. In comparison, if you're still standing, but you're doing a cable bicep curl, where your uh, um, the handles are pulling your arms uh, are back slightly behind your body, and they're pulling your elbows uh, to be extended, um, well, that exercise is going to load uh, the length into mid-range, so you're going to have tension right from the bottom, okay, because you're also cable is pulling you back slightly, and then you're going to have to overload that uh, tension uh, and reaching the top of the tension with your elbows at 90 degrees. So those two exercises are, it's the same exercise, it's the same movement, so you are bending your elbows standing, uh, but one place uh, have a vector that as well is a little bit diagonal. So you're, it's pulling your arms as well behind your body and it's gonna add the tension from uh, the first uh, degree of range of motion, whether the dumbbell bicep curl at the bottom, you have basically no tension and the tension is coming from top to bottom. So it's gonna place a different kind of tension on the, on the muscle. Um, it does that and that's for a cable. What about like a um, curl machine? So a bicep curl machine. Well, that's gonna provide a more consistent uh, um, uh, tension throughout uh, all the range of motion and uh, still your bicep are going to be at your strongest with the elbows at 90 degrees but since uh, um, the load vector is not coming anymore from top to bottom but can be um, you know multi-directional then uh, you're gonna provide a new stimulus to your body so and I think it's a particular stimulus that uh, you don't have when you have free weights so uh, if you think about uh, many people, for example, they struggle to get bigger legs, okay? This is like many people, way more people struggle to get bigger legs uh, than uh, um, bigger arms, for example. And uh, when you think about uh, their training, is only made of split squat and back squat, split squat and, and back squat. But there is very little leg extension, hack squat, leg press, glute bridge machine, okay? I mean, this is one of the most underutilized and under-present uh, gym equipment in Europe, uh, like a glute uh, drive machine, and a good glute bridge machine, a hip thrust machine. Those are awesome piece of equipment, quite expensive, I know, but they are very good because they provide a very good setup, safe setup for people to work out hard uh, without worrying about too much about their technique. Also, like the, the main difference is that the dumbbells provide, uh, um, or barbells provides more of a coordination challenge. So you need to be nice and coordinated in order to perform a back squat nicely and safely. Um, whether with the hack squat, once you lock yourself into the machine and your feet are in the right stance and uh, they are wide enough and um, you are uh, your lower back is in contact with the seat, then you know, you can just uh, work on your range of motion and uh, progressively add load and reps uh, to your lift. So it's an environment where if you don't have great coordination right now, but you want to make good progress because, I don't know, for any reason, you suddenly, your muscle building goal becomes more important. And there are many reasons for this, a wedding, a breakup, a divorce, uh, um, you know, like uh, you want to date other people, uh, you want to look great this summer. Hey, that's great. But, you know, you don't have great mobility. And so when you do a split squat, your knee hurt. When you do a back squat, your back hurt. Uh, so like you still want to get bigger glutes and bigger quads. So what do you do? What about doing a hack squat for a certain period of time, just enough to build enough muscle in the quads and enough mobility in your ankle so that you can work out potentially on a back squat. But this is uh, leading me to point number seven. So the common mistake number seven, uh, the number six is not using enough machines, okay? Uh, you don't need to use just machines. You don't need to use just body weight. You don't need to use uh, just free weights. You can use a combination of all of them. Um, and there are, uh, um, you know, there are certain people who benefit the most from more machine and other people who benefit the most from body weight training. So it depends really where you're at in your fitness career. But I, I challenge you to think when was the last time and how many machines are currently in your training program. And I would make sure that there is at least like there are some exercises where it's important to have a machine, in my opinion. Um, 
so those exercises, for example, one is, I, I mentioned it is the hack squat. Um, one I think like that is um, again like it's not always there at every gym. It's the machine lateral raises. Just because like the lateral raises, I see most like most people I see at commercial gyms, they do it wrong, right? They they either like shrug it up, uh, they jerk it up, um, they their elbows is below the dumbbells, so it becomes more of an upper back trap, uh, um, bicep. Uh, elbow movement but the rear delt doesn't get a lot of tension whether with the machine lateral raises it's a no-brainer you just have to lift the arms i recommend that you don't hold the handles because most machines like it's not good to hold those handles in, in the lateral raises um the thing about as well a machine row many people have a, a hard time understanding how to row and how to pull properly a machine row Sometime, um, often, when you think about bringing the weight from A to B and really like reach back or have, having a right setup um, with your elbows, um, you know, it's gonna it, it's gonna be much easier to understand how to pull properly because of the setup that the machine provides and the very low coordination and mobility necessary to perform the exercise. And that leads me to mistake number seven, which is uh, having the wrong exercise selection in your training program. Yeah, I was uh, talking uh, about this uh, with a client of the team Pavone last week, uh, who was asking me like a good way to remember exercises. And uh, in my opinion, a very good way to remember uh, exercises is to divide them uh, in the movement pattern that our body is able to perform. So you know that uh, if, you, if you look at the uh, human mechanics, uh, you can uh, divide uh, your exercise pattern in different uh, movements. So you, you have pressing movement, Upper, upper body pulling movement um, and the pressing and pulling can be done in a horizontal fashion or vertical or oblique fashion and so you can have all sorts of pressing movement like bench press push-ups uh, which are more horizontal push and then you have exercises like landmine press or shoulder press dumbbell press military press which are more like oblique and vertical pressing and the same goes for upper body pulling so you have pressing exercises pulling exercises then you have hinge exercises like a deadlift or a hip thrust or a bridge and uh, all the lower body and upper body exercise can be done unilaterally as well so single arm or double arm single leg or double leg um, but you have hinge likes movement like a kettlebell swing or a deadlift um, and then you have uh, lunges uh, um, type of movement so where you are like lunging or an inverted lunge or a um, split squat or a step up but it's generally a single leg either knee dominant or hip dominant um, I like to introduce a single leg training because most of uh, the single leg work have a transfer to athletic training um, and uh, in my experience like even if you have muscle building goals um, you will find the split squat pretty damn hard and you will see some good result most people see a good result in their quads and in their glutes when they do a split squat correctly and heavy enough um, but then you have like a squat type of movement so you have a, a machine based or barbell based or dumbbell based like a squat dumbbell squat front squat hatfield squat which is more of a single leg squat um, and all sort of squat type movement um, and then you have all sort of isolation exercises and uh, you might uh, introduce uh, some rotational movement uh, and core specific work uh, if you have uh, some specific performance goal or uh, if you simply like to train the core. I don't think like uh, it's uh, absolutely mandatory to introduce uh, some core training uh, in your program because your core will have to work already if you train hard enough um, with uh, a well-balanced uh, resistance training program or a strength training program, but it won't hurt. So I like to train my core. Um, I don't think it's a not negotiable to be successful, to successfully build muscle. I think uh, it's not going to make a huge impact on how your abs will look at the end of your next diet. Um, I think, uh, though, that uh, we can, uh, you know, be skeptical about it. And we can also say that the rectus abdominis, so uh, abdominis, uh, the six pack muscle, it's a muscle. So you can treat it as well like a bicep and you can stimulate some local hypertrophy and you, you can make your six pack bigger so that when you will diet next, um, you will see abs more defined and more toned and stronger. Although like in my experience, uh, like it's often uh, a very marginal difference. Okay, we can't really shape uh, um, 
you know, the, the, the size and the shape of those abs, it's very hard. It's very hard. And in my opinion, for most busy professional people, it doesn't make the cut. Okay. You see your abs with your diet after a long enough period of calorie deficit. Um, but yeah, you have this kind of exercises now. So you mentioned pulling, pressing, squat-like, hinge-like, lunge-like, um, and uh, rotational movement that will make, and I usually have uh, two pressing exercises, two uh, pulling exercises, at least one hinge and one squat-like movement. So uh, that, that makes uh, already six exercises in your program for a total body workout. Okay, so you can spread them over the week. But the problem often with this, it's the wrong exercise selection. Okay, so when you talk about, uh, okay, which kind of squat, uh, which kind of hinge we are going to use uh, to build your legs, to build the muscle in your lower body. And, um, you know, most people, they choose the wrong exercise in terms of, uh, like, stability. Maybe it's an exercise that requires too much stability for their current coordination and balance. Sometimes it's a matter of mobility. So you have, you know, for example, like not everyone can perform safely a back squat without rounding their lower back or, um, you know, without feeling pain in their knees. So most often than not, those people, when they switch to a hack squat where they can safely progress or a split squat where for some reason they have enough balance to load it properly and they have no pain. Why stick into the back squat? Okay, so those except those moments, like uh, I know that as a coach, uh, an area where I can massively help people is to optimize their body and their training by helping them choosing effectively the exercise that are better at the moment for their current capabilities. Okay, and uh, I say at the moment because uh, even if it's true that uh, a um, you know hack squat is gonna build muscle in the legs uh, without um, necessarily, you know, challenging your coordination and mobility, there is a place for a back squat too. So it's often helpful to alternate phases of uh, a more machine-based training and, uh, you know, applying the usual process of trial and error, see what works uh, and keeping what works uh, and rotating what doesn't. Um, so I like, that's how I like to, um, to look at exercise selection. Also, like uh, there are uh, things to consider, to, things to consider like the strength to fatigue ratio. Not every exercise is going to make you the same tired and is going to have the same impact on your recovery. And that should be taken in consideration when exercise, when selecting exercise for your training program. Also, your exercises should be adapted to your uh, available equipment. And, um, you know, like uh, you might have a period of time where you work out at home only four days a week uh, um, with uh, your body weight. And then you, uh, you might have phases where you can go to the gym for like four times uh, uh, you know, and, and, and that's only for a period of three weeks. So it's helpful to have a multiphasic approach uh, into training. And I see many people who don't have it and they stick to their usual training for years uh, without making tangible progress. Um, so yeah, like going back to their rate of gains, I think like there are many people who, who are uh, lift, lifting weights or training for more than four years uh, who haven't made uh, those gains. So they didn't gain more than five kilos uh, in those four years. Uh, because of some leaking in their training, some leaking in their nutrition. So they can potentially make better gains by having the right structure and the right accountability. Um, so yeah, that was a, um, a mistake number seven. Now the mistake number eight, it's uh, not warming up. Not warming up. I see many people warming, warming up like on a, a bike or uh, on the elliptical or, um, you know, not warming up at all or just simply like rotating their arms a little bit uh, and then warming up with a specific exercise. So I talk about how warming up uh, successfully um, and, and quickly um, in episode 74, where I talk as well about the ketogenic diet and the best repetition range for muscle size. Um, I share with you a quick way to warm up, uh, which is like it's providing you a structure and a framework um, to think about your warm-up and remember it, like without having to remember all these uh, complicated exercises. Um, if you also are interested in learning uh, more about how often should you change exercise in your training program, um, go and check out uh, the episode 57. Um, it's one of our most popular ep uh, episodes, and I'd love to hear your feedback on that. But that's, uh, um, you know, mistake number eight, um, not warming up properly okay warming up uh, it's going to improve uh, the uh, synovial fluid in your joints so it's going to make your joints nicer and lubricated for the workout um, it's going to 
allow you to spend some time working on your range of motion. So by creating a little bit more uh, range of motion in the joints that are a little bit tight, um, opening up, it's not the right word. I think like, yeah, your muscle can be elongated, but I think like you're not going to change uh, um, your posture simply by doing like uh, three minutes of warm up. Okay. But it's going to prepare your body for the training, for the consecutive training. So it's an ex it's a area, my dear listener, that you don't want to skip. You don't want to jump the warm up. Even if you have 20 minutes uh, to train, I would still spend five minutes preparing my body for those hard 15 minutes. Okay. Because it's going to enable you to reach a higher intensity, to be safer, to be more stable. So to stabilize the joints that are unstable and to mobilize the joints that are a little bit stiff um, by unlocking as well a new range of motion. Think about the ankle. For some people, they don't know, but they, they think they can't squat, but they actually like the fact the reason why they can't squat is because their ankle mobility sucks. There is always a specific reason why you're stuck somewhere in your training, which is always empowering and cool. Uh, but often like uh, it's uh, a little bit frustrating because uh, it makes people think, okay, how, how should I overcome this challenge? So if you have one of these specific challenges, don't wait, but reach out to me. Um, you can fill the form in the show notes or you can reach out to me on Instagram. I'll be happy to, um, to hear your situation because I want to help. I know that I can help people in their training. And I'm that's why I created the Thai T-shirt transformation, which by the way, it's our main coaching program. And um, we open up the enrollment to this program um, roughly four times a year. So that's been in the last two years. Um, of course, like we enroll people uh, um, in this week. So we, we, we do it because we only work with a short number, of, with, with a limited number of clients. So me and my coach, Andre, um, we only work with up to 40 clients where 30 might be better than 40 and 20 is actually better than, than 30. So uh, I rather uh, our coaches uh, work with a small number of clients and uh, because we want to produce successful stories and we want to really impact people's life. Um, so yeah, the, the warm up, not warming up, it's a no, it's, it's not gonna impede your muscle gain, but it's gonna automatically unlock uh, new range of motions uh, and uh, it's going to set up your your career for success because it's going to increase your training durability uh, so your longevity um, and uh, uh, orthopedically is going to reduce the risk of injury so it's it's a no-brainer for me it's also like a, a good transition um, because I, I don't know about you but i cannot go to the gym and reach like a bam the training load and i don't know hit prs i need that time to enter my uh, mind mental game like i i need to i need that as a preparation mental and physical uh, for a good workout okay so make sure that you don't skip the work warm up um the so that was a warm, mistake number eight mistake number nine not doing enough isolation exercises if you have muscle building goals, you, this is probably like you're doing quite a lot of isolation, but this is a problem for people who think that compound exercises are always the best. They are not. The reality is that uh, there are exercises that uh, um, allow you to, to train different muscle groups. Think about the deadlift. It's one of the exercises that challenge the highest number of muscle uh, in your body. But is it going to be good to effectively stimulate the hamstring by itself? Imagine you only have a barbell at home and you want to optimize your glutes and uh, hamstring training. Is the deadlift enough? Is the Romanian deadlift enough? Well, the Romanian deadlift in particular is going to be a slightly better variation. Well, I would say definitely better variation than the traditional deadlift because it's more of a hip hinge. It's more of a true hip hinge. Whether the traditional deadlift is more of a, it has a bit more knee dominant uh, bias so a little bit more help from your quads with the Romanian deadlift we mainly stress the glutes and hamstring okay so like is it gonna be enough well doing a, a car like movement it's gonna be necessary to optimally uh, train uh, the hamstring because one head of the bicep femoris uh, the short head only crosses one joint so it's only a knee a true knee flexor okay so if you only do a hip uh, if you only train that muscle in the context of a hip flexion, well, you are not using one function of the muscle. So basically, like uh, um, all I'm trying to say is that isolation exercises uh, shouldn't be like the bread and butter of your training, but should be present, uh, always present in your training program. And there are no real reason why you should, uh, for example, not having some uh, rear delt work uh, in your uh, 
workout. Sure, the rear delt works in any kind of pulling movement, but really isolating it with some relatively lightweight um, in a fly, like a rear delt fly um, movement, or like a fly, a rear delt machine movement. See, like the util, uh, utilizing the machine is helpful as well when we're trying to really isolate one muscle. Um, and yeah, so that's that's an exercise that I see often people doing, like you know, putting compound exercise over everything. And even like uh, this, this is like for the people who think that isolation exercises are good as well for just uh, for bodybuilders. That's not true. Like if you are a rower, okay, and you only train your back with rowing, okay, well, your body is going to be, is going to become very good at rowing, but is that going to elicit and bias more tension on the rear delt? Well, that depends on your rowing technique and volume and intensity, but it's still going to be, is not going to load, for example, the rear delt in the lengthened position or in the shortened position. So it's, go, it's not going to be super optimal for uh, rear delt training. And will you need more rear delt when you do rowing? You bet you do, because more muscle produces more force. And when we're talking about a, sp a sport performance, specific muscle, uh, they need to be trained to produce a better output. Um, and, uh, you know, those muscle, when we talk about a rower, for example, are going to be part of the pulling motion. So uh, we are going to think about uh, having some specific training in our program because the principle of specificity dictates uh, always. Uh, um, so our program should be very specific to our specific goal. Um, but yet implementing some isolation for a muscle that don't respond in well enough to those like 80% of the compound exercises. So the, the compound exercises will be eight, roughly 80% of your program if you have a well-balanced training program with some with like 20% of isolation to fill the gap left from those compound exercises. All right, so that was uh, mistake number nine, uh, not having uh, enough isolation exercises in your training program. And mistake number 10, it's not having a supportive community or a coach. Research shows uh, that uh, working with a co coach or a community that makes us feel uh, like uh, uh, they're made by the same people, okay, so the community that shares similar goals, uh, it's uh, effective in helping people be more consistently consistent and successfully change their health and fitness habits. So if you're trying to make a change in your workout, in your life, in your diet, in your recovery, in your lifestyle in general, you're going to benefit from working with a supportive coach and a community. So a coach can give you the um, expertise and guidance and accountability uh, to successfully be more consistent and to make better progress in your training. So to optimize uh, the time that you spend at the gym and just to make sure that your diet is aligned with your goals um, and the community is going to make you feel like you belong it's going to make you feel supported it's going to as well help you having a bit more fun because um, you can share goals you can share challenges you can share struggles and you can have your question answered so it's going to be determinant in terms of consistency which is at the base of our uh, hierarchy of importance is the most uh, and yeah, most important thing when it comes to your success. So th that's mistake number 10. Like, I think uh, all of us, uh, we should all like, I just jump uh, off uh, a phone call with a vocal coach because uh, I believe so much in this podcast that I want to be good. And uh, I don't have the presumption to think that I'm the best podcaster out there, uh, that I have the best voice out there, but I can sure as hell invest in myself, uh, get coaching, get some, uh, not only the knowledge, because we know that the knowledge bring us only that far, but uh, also like the accountability necessary to know that those knowledges are implemented and uh, are implemented in the right way, in a way that feels right for me. Okay, so that's the beauty of working with a coach. Um, a coach doesn't only give you the knowledges, it helps you to implement those knowledges in your life, given your circumstances and your experience and your past, okay? And your particular goals, because yeah, I have the goal to improve uh, uh, my voice for public speaking, because next week I will uh, do some a week of public speaking for Talent Garden here in Auster, which is an amazing uh, co-working space where professionals can not only go and work and share their working space, but also like uh, access to particular workshops and training. So me and my girlfriend, Leah, follow her on Instagram. She does great uh, yoga and health uh, stuff. Uh, it's called, uh, her account is om.yogi, om yogi, um, with a little dot in between. And so like, I want to be a, I want to have a better voice 
And I know that my voice can be optimized. I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, thinking that I have a major issue here that I need a vocal coach. That's not what I'm thinking about. I want a coach. I've talked about it uh, a few times. You shouldn't need a coach. You should want a coach. And there is nothing bad in seeing like a coach as uh, like help because you think you might need help. Awesome. Uh, but there is nothing wrong as well in thinking that uh, you want to work with a coach because you want to get better. Because those are two slightly different uh, mindsets. I mentioned this because uh, many people, they try to force themselves to change. Okay, They try to get help uh, and, try, and they see like uh, that they have a problem that they need to solve. This is a way to look at it, but also there is another way to look at it. Okay, And we, we have some research that shows that uh, people who successfully change an aspect of their life, they don't see it as a problem, but they see it with the positive mindset, the positive growth-oriented mindset uh, of thinking that they are trying, they are going to work to change for, for a change, um, but uh, they're not going to feel like a failure if they don't succeed, but they're just going to see it as a learning lesson. Okay, so I'm just going to get a feedback. So I'm going to expose myself to a feedback of an experienced vocal coach. Um, and then I'm going to get her input and implement. And of course, I want to know what you think, guys. So let me know if uh, you actually feel the difference. I just uh, contacted her today. So we're going to work on it. Uh, and you're probably going to see um, the results in a couple of weeks. Okay, so yeah, we have uh, a last uh, Program like a last uh, couple of mistakes that people make uh, when trying to build muscle. And that's mistake number 11. And that's not tracking their workouts. Guys, you need to track your workouts uh, if you want to make tangible progress. Because even if you have two dumbbells, uh, you want at home and you only train with dumbbells, you won't be able to appreciate the progress if you don't know where you're at. Okay. Anything that gets tracked gets improved. Um, this is so true, especially for, for when, it when it comes to muscle building, because yeah, I'm a coach. I spend uh, I spent in the last five years, a lot of, well, in the last 20 years, uh, I used to do this uh, as well when I was a swimmer, I tracked my workouts because I wanted to go be able to, in at some point in my life, to go back to the past and look at where I was a couple of years before. And just sometimes this is so important in feeling like motivated and be like, Okay, today I feel shit, but I'm still stronger, way stronger than a couple of the a couple of years ago. So that makes me feel good. I want to feel even stronger. I want to keep going, and, and I'm gonna, and that's gonna enable me to allow myself to have a tough day. Okay, but I know that it's not like uh, in the grand scheme of things, it's I'm still like forward compared to two years ago. And here is the great value of tracking. Um, it's going to give you a specific, not only an idea, a specific idea of where you're at so that you can make progress. Okay. Uh, track your workouts, uh, leave notes, uh, leave as many notes as you can, like sets, reps, loads, uh, repetition uh, in reserve, uh, rate of perceived exertion, um, hydration before, stress before and after, um, motivation before, uh, <laughs> energy after. You can leave other notes, okay? You can track a little bit as you want. For, for me, like, it's helpful to track my performance and how I, and what was the difficulty of that session, okay? But there are different ways that I prescribe uh, for my clients uh, based on what I think is more appropriate. Um, last uh, but not the least, uh, and uh, this is probably, like, the most important thing, um, not being consistent enough. And that's mistake number 12. Um, you, you know, like that's, uh, I mentioned it earlier, uh, that's at the beginning, like that's the most uh, important thing overall. Like just uh, think now that if you want to see some progress in the, in the uh, time frame that I mentioned earlier, so for example, four years, well, you need to be consistent for four years. You're not going to make that rate of progress uh, after you've been lifting consistently consistently for three years, if on year four, you're going to train less, less frequently, less heavy, with less volume, with less info, like your training is not going to be optimized. And don't worry about it now. All right. Don't worry about what's going to happen in four years today, because you're going to have to get there first. And just being consistent for four years means something. One, that your program, you enjoy your program. Okay, so you find it uh, interesting. You find the connection between your programs uh, and your goal. Um, you you find it sexy. So you know how that program is currently helping you and your specific goals. Um, and uh, B, it's gonna be that you can stick to this current uh, training program for the whole time. Now, this is where I lose most people. Like 
if at some point you have a child and you can only train from five to three times a week, that doesn't mean that you can't make progress, okay? Because progress, as we said earlier, doesn't happen solely based on how many sessions you do, but it's based as well on how you do those sessions, how you structure them, your exercise selection, and so on. Ultimately, it's more important that you stick to a three true days training program that you think, that you say that you stick to a five days a week training program when actually you stick to a four training four day training program. Um, so yeah, like uh, I know many people who say they train five days a week, but when you actually look at their diary, they're working out four, three, four, but actually more four on average. And they're always feeling like they're running behind themselves, um, which I think it's uh, not necessary absolutely for muscle building. And it's often something that adds more stress than quality. We want to work out to feel good, to feel uh, uh, healthy and uh, to feel like we are making, we are adding quality to our life so that we, yeah, we are actually moving forward with one of our goals, like we do in other areas of life. All right, that's about it for the 12 most uh, common uh, training mistakes that people make when trying to get bigger muscle, to build muscle. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And uh, I reiterated that only this week we are looking for uh, uh, six men, busy and fit millennial men who want to lose a little bit of fat, uh, in particular, uh, like people in the team, they lose five to 10 kilos of fat in three months and uh, who want to build uh, strength and uh, two to four kilos of muscle, so some muscle, uh, get a little bit more uh, definition, a bit bigger, um, and implement successfully healthy fitness habits in their life. Uh, most of our clients are busy, uh, professional, uh, 25 to 45, and they have a life, so they have a busy life. So this is the right week, guys, to take action. If you want to work with me or with our Second coach, Andre. Andre has full trust in me. Um, he's been coached and trained by me. He has a master um, in exercise uh, science. He did a degree in sports science. So he's working as well as an exercise therapist. So I love to work with Andre. We did as well a episode of the podcast together. And I'll probably get him on as well in the future. Um, and we only work with a short, limited, uh, um, and a small number of people. And the, we only open the coaching program in a specific time of the year. So if you are someone who wants to get in really good shape for this summer, this is your time to take action. Go on the show notes and fill the form. I love to, I can't wait to hear more about your situation. And perhaps if I think I can help you, start working together. Who knows? Hey, this is uh, enough for today's episode. Uh, we're going to talk again next week. From Coach Francesco, that's everything. Ciao, ciao.